welcome back to the Good Business Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode. My name is Danny, and I'm your podcast host today. And I'm joined with Donnie McLeod, who is the owner of uh, McLeod's Organics. Um, and thank you so much for coming on today and for joining us. We're out in the orchards. <laughs> it's a bit of a different one today, but we're really looking forward to it. So thank you for coming on, Donnie. Yeah, so well. Uh... Thank you for, for coming and um, I hope we'll have an interesting chat. Yeah, I think so. We've already had a, an apple and everything, so that was very good. <laughs> Reading the trees, yeah. Exactly. So McLeod Organics is a family firm and you focus on delivering organic food to your customers. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how this all came about, Donnie? So how did you get into the business? And I know we talked a little bit before we were recording about why organic was so important to you. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Um, well, if you look back at my background, um, I come from the island of Rasi, which is um, from a crofting background. And being brought up in a croft, of course, like yourself, yeah. um, you understand the, how to work with natural systems, to work with, within nature, and um, that, you, that you had to look after the environment you were in and you also had to look after the community that you were in and how fragile it was that everything is like a spider's web and if you actually break something within that web it destroys other parts of it and we consider, you, if you consider yourselves to be part of that web then you actually break something in, your, in the web of life that you will be destroying yourself rather than actually just the, just the, with the web around you. That includes the community, the environment and everything round about. I mean that was the old crofting systems mm -hmm. um, which now have changed. As a realization when when I got, got older I remember reading a book in the early 70s called Silent Spring by a woman called Rachel Carson in, in, in from America where Silent Spring was that if if we continued doing what we were doing with regards to food and the environment that there would be no birds making any noise in the spring and that's why it's called Silent Spring of course mm -hmm. and that was to do with chemicals and pesticides and herbicides and the stuff that's being, being used on, on farmland. Mm -hmm. Also the understanding that the, how bad the supermarkets were in, in actually not making any space for the small farmers or crofters who could produce food. Um, I had a career in financial services and um, of course we moved from Rathi to Glenelg um, on a croft in Glenelg and then from there to Glen Morrison and then my parents moved, moved to Ardis here in the mm -hmm. 1980s um, and my father was, was more crofting here really mm -hmm. but I, I used to do, um, I worked in financial services and in 1998 I came back to the family farm here and I said, well, because of my background, I was also a, a, a Greenpeace activist. Mm -hmm. We used to do a lot of um, trying to change the world yeah. um, for, for the better. Place. And um, when I came back here, I thought, right, I'm going to 
start producing food here mm -hmm. um, and we're going to farm in a different way. So we'll farm organically um, and we'll create a box scheme because at that time box schemes were just starting. Mm -hmm. And we set up a stall in Inverness and set up the first farmer's market in Inverness and said, um, we're anybody interested in a box scheme? And we got 30 people who were actually interested mm -hmm. in doing it. So we started the box scheme then and, and bringing stuff, bringing organic produce in from other organic growers from the central belt as well to supplement what we were doing here. And at the same time said that trying to encourage people on small farms and crofts to actually start producing organic food yeah. up here for us. And that there would be always a marketplace for them. If you create the marketplace, then you, then you can grow for the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So the last 24 years now, we've got it guaranteed that there will not be any organic produce grown in the highlands, which goes to waste because the, the customers buy into the system yeah. and that creates the marketplace there for the growers to grow yeah. to, to grow to. And that's what we've done, you know, but we've evolved through different um, evolutions. And mm -hmm. um, one of the things that was bad for the box scheme was, because in, in a box scheme, you take what you're given. Yeah. You take what's, what is available yeah. um, at that time and you that, that's grown and you will accept that so you're eating seasonally what's there but then we actually were also we're involved in many different environmental campaigns and one of the things we'd go well, on one of the campaigns was to get people to grow more of their own food mm -hmm. so people you know with encourage allotments encourage people to grow stuff in gardens and waste ground anywhere where you can grow food, um, so you're not dependent on bringing it in from from far away, and that actually was detrimental to the box scheme because where people started growing their own, they didn't want to buy the same stuff. So you then need to start working out systems of how you can allow people to have choices in their box humans yeah I don't need this and I don't need that I suppose that was quite important from a business perspective from a business perspective yeah. because because the people that were starting to grow your own and starting to try to grow their own was our customers yeah so you had to adapt the box scheme then and we thought well let's carry swap box in the van where people can swap stuff you know that they want they've got stuff growing and they do that so that worked, mm -hmm. first of all, and then we did, we tried emails, you know, um, with sending emails back and forth and saying, mm -hmm. people, that was disastrous. Oh. <laughs> people don't read, read their emails. <laughs> so <coughs> we ended up anyway, then going online, mm -hmm. you know, where people could actually choose what was in their own boxes. And was that kind of like a key flagship moment of the business, kind of moving online? Did you reach more that was customers? That was a big, big yeah. flagship then. Because How did you find that? Was it quite an easy step to go or were you...? No, the hardest, the easy step, it's an easy step to go, but it's a hard step to cope with. Yeah. Because once you you go online, you open up to a completely new marketplace. Yeah. Whereas before that, 
we were actually servicing a niche market. Mm -hmm. um, I can always remember an old, an old man from the Soil Association who was um, one of our certification officers and he said, the best advice I can give you is your marketplace is very small. It's about 3% of the population that know the issues and actually will, will actually always want to buy organic food mm -hmm. and will avoid the plastic that actually they're getting in the supermarkets. So that is a quite a niche marketplace, but it's about 3% of the population. But 3% is pretty big. And he says, and the best advice I can give you is ignore the other 97% because they'll just give you problems. <laughs> well, I suppose it's knowing, knowing your customer, wasn't it? And like really working down your niche, so your yeah. niche was organic. Yeah, so the 3% the, the actually it was easy to market to because they knew the issues and they would find you. Yeah. You yeah. know, so... You had an informed customer. You had an informed customer there that actually would come and as long as you look after your customer and keep them, We've got some customers that have been with us since 1998. Wow. You know, and... And that's when the business and, started. And actually some customers whose children at that time um, are now customers, oh, you know, and who have lovely. said, we've been eating organic food for the whole of our life mm -hmm. since we were born, because that was what our parents bought, mm -hmm. the stuff from McLeod Organics. But, as you say, when we went onto the internet, mm -hmm it actually opened up a completely different um, yeah. ball game. Yeah. And then of course we got the pandemic and the pandemic was very difficult mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. us because we decided that, that when we got all the staff together and said, um, will we go on furlough or will we keep going? And the customers all said, definitely keep going. Yeah. And the staff said, we'll keep going. So we. We, had, we, we worked right through the pandemic uh -huh. um, on supplying our customers. But on the, when March happened, we got flooded with um, people wanting organic deliveries mm -hmm. um, from all over the country, from the, from the, even from London and from places. Oh my goodness. So it was a nightmare. So we <laughs> shut down the internet and said, got to shut it down. Um, but we keep delivering to we keep delivering to our our regular customers, uh -huh. and had the you know and and used emails and things with our existing customers, and kept delivering to them right throughout, um, and also we took on other customers as well that were who would be in touch and say mm -hmm. oh well because of this or whatever we're working in the NHS and doing all sorts of things, so we we worked right through the pandemic and. Um, that actually had, well, after about a few months, we decided we'd open the website mm -hmm. and within two hours there were 6,000 hits on it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so we thought, shut That's it down secret. again, <laughs> shut it down again, quick. <laughs> so we had to shut it down and um, then I think it was when Nathan in the office came up with a suggestion, let's open it with a password. <laughs> yeah, and that worked. So we, give, we sent the password out to all our customers and um, they were able to yeah. access the website. <laughs> the important thing is that we kept our customers happy. Yeah, yeah. You know, with and it. And yeah. they still, and the customers really 
they did appreciate it and they still appreciate it. Good, yeah. Well, it sounds like you've done, you're doing something right for sure. If you're keeping people for generations of customers, that's quite, yeah. quite the achievement, it really is. You were talking a little bit about your employees in your business. Um, and I suppose what comes across really strongly to me is just how prin the principles that stand behind your business and how much they yeah. mean to you. How do you drive that vision with your employees? Well, we employ people that have that vision. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing. Mm -hmm. And do you find that's quite easy to do or yeah. is it very... We know our people mm -hmm. yeah. and we know our customers and it's a very personalised thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes businesses will have to say, well, we have to educate our customer to like what we are do about. I suppose with you, it's, they're coming to you because they're educated and what they want to find. So what are some of the key products and services that McLeod Organics are offering its customers? Um, we've actually been, we, can, we are now in a position where we op operate 52 weeks of the year and we have a full range of, pro of prod produce on the website which you can do all your shopping on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we like, we could still like the concept of the boxes, uh -huh. but we can do your full shopping. We have sources now, we have with um, suppliers for all the organic stuff that you need. Mm -hmm. And it's not wrapped in plastic. Mm -hmm. We do fruit and we do veg and we do dairy and we have a, uh, dairy at the other end of the village with a, a very good cheese yes, and yes, very good um, you know organic cheese and organic milk um, we do bread from Fintorn and we do uh, all the, the larder stuff from Suma with a cooperative and Highland Whole Foods uh -huh. and we so there is almost anything yeah. um, on the website and if there's products that any of our customers want, we will get them for them. And one of the reasons why we started doing it was, um, originally the concept was with a box game was that you would eat seasonally. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't eat seasonally now. No. It's, yeah. it's gone. People want lemons all the year round. Yeah. So they thought, right, if you're going lemons, you know, all the year round, then we should supply lemons all the year round. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. people are going to go to the supermarket and get their, their lemons instead yeah. of having them delivered with their box. Yeah. And we know, we know where they're all coming from and they're all fully certified by the Soil Association, even from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about the certification process? Like how, how does that happen? What happens? How do you get certified as organic? Um, the important thing is about organic certification is that there is a rule book that you have, that everybody has to follow. Mm -hmm. Now, organic is a legal term across the world. You're not allowed to sell organic produce unless you follow these rules and that it's certified and inspected by a relevant body. Yeah. So they have the International um, Federation of Organic um, rules, then you have the European rules, mm -hmm. and then you have the the UK Register of Organic Food Standards. Yeah. And there's a few bodies that are allowed to do them now. The most respected in the world is the Soil Association. Yeah. 
and the Soil Association symbol is recognised everywhere. Yeah. On the, we've been registered with the Soil Association for over 20 years here. Mm -hmm. Now, so we get inspected every year. So every year the inspector will come and spend a day and who will actually select maybe a product mm -hmm. and say how many, of, how many went out you know, f on that week and where did it come from? We have to hold in the office our, the, cert the organic certificate of that, produ that producer and, they, and that, that they're certified to be a supplier for, mm -hmm. for us. We have to have, have the certificate on file. Everything that goes out from us has to be recorded, you know, as what went, where it went and where it, where it came from. So even stuff from the farm here will have to be registered going into the, the, the stock system and um, the certification on it yeah. there. And if it doesn't tally, then you're in trouble. Yeah. And you've not been in trouble? We've not been, we, we, were, we had a, 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 almost a bit of trouble about 15 years ago. Uh -huh. And it was because one of our, we had, the, when we got an inspection, they inspected cabbages in one week. Mm -hmm. And we had, 800 cabbages went out mm -hmm. and we only had 400 coming in certified and so they were going to the inspector had to come in and say you've got a, we've got a problem you're a non-compliant non and we worked out what it was and it was that Derek one of our growers down in um, in near Perth he had been growing cabbages for us, mm -hmm. but because they were small, he doubled them up. Oh! <laughs> so he was just trying to do a good service for you. He was. He gave us 800 cabbages instead of 400 cabbages, <laughs> which was nice of him. Yes. <laughs> but when they were being recorded as going out, they went out as 800. Yes. Because the packers, you know, the, the one cabbage was, was, a, was a cabbage, but it was a very small one. You know, we just thought, well, they're small this week. Yeah. You yeah. know, whatever. So, just went to good so we had to get Derek to sign a, a thing to say he had done it, you know. <laughs> and, then we, and then we got our, that was an almost non compliance. Yeah, nearly. Other than that, and our inspections have all gone very good. well. Good, good. That's, so we're, well, I'm super nosy, okay? So I would really love, and I'm sure our listeners, we, we ask this of every business, but could you tell us something about your business that maybe people wouldn't necessarily know? We're looking um, for deep, dark secrets. Everything we produce is 100%. Everything we supply is 100% mm -hmm. organic. We work a very strict um, system of production, yeah. which means that that if it is grown in the highlands organically, that's what people get first. Yeah. If it's not grown in the highlands organically, not available there, then we go to the rest of Scotland. Yeah. If it's not available in Scotland, then we'll go to the rest of the UK. If it's not available in the UK, then we'll go to Europe. If it's not available in Europe, we'll go to the rest of the world but we will supply every week of the year a full range of products. It's quite something. I mean, I, I would have ignorantly have thought it would have been seasonal and just what you could do here. So to hear it's like pretty much international is quite something. Um, some organic businesses 
will supply just what they grow themselves. Mm -hmm. And then maybe do it six months of the year or whatever. But I always argued against that and said, well, you're not really looking after your customers. Yeah. Because what your customers are going to do, are they going to starve for the next six months? <laughs> yeah. Or are you saying, we, I want you to come and buy what I've grown mm -hmm. on there, but then you can go wherever you want and go to the supermarket. Yeah, exactly. You've hit it the nail on the head because so many of your customers, they couldn't get it. Like, there's so much choice at a supermarket all year round that yeah. you could get products from. So it's quite incredible to hear that you're able to supply all year round. That's something I wouldn't have known about your business. So yeah. it would be something our readers, our, our listeners, sorry, wouldn't know either. So you were talking a little bit about the pandemic being a particularly challenging moment in the business for you, but I wonder if there's anything else or any other moments that you would say were particularly challenging in the business for you as, as you've kind of continued along the years. Well, the biggest challenge, um, which is current, which is that I'm getting pretty old. <laughs> so I'm 75 now and um, in the succession planning, I had thought that I would hand the business over to my son. Mm -hmm. But we lost my son a few, year, a few years ago. Oh, he passed sorry. away. And um, so I thought, well, well, what kind of legacy will I leave, you know, for the business? And then thought, well, there are three groups who are dependent on the business going forward. There is the customers. We have a book one and a half thousand customers mm -hmm. who would be devastated if we didn't continue yeah. you know, doing what we're doing. Then we have the staff who have been with us a long time. I mean, like Nathan, one of, the, one of our employees there, has been with us since he left school 20 years ago. <laughs> and then and we have the third group is the growers, mm -hmm. the, the producers there. So all three groups are dependent on their so currently we are setting up what's called a multi-stakeholder cooperative where instead of us, you know, to allow me to retire back to just growing the stuff here and be a supplier to the cooperative, but the, there, isn't, there isn't one in Scotland at the moment. Yeah. So we will be the first um, wow. multi-stakeholder cooperative. There's plenty of cooperatives who are consumer co-ops mm -hmm. And there, there is employee co-ops, yeah. you know, worker co-ops, and there is um, business co-ops who will cooperate together. But actually to have a complete system where you have all three of them working together, three groups, um, is what we want to do. Yeah. And um, we're in the process of doing that at the moment. We've got a steering group set up, um, and they've set up, split into four subgroups, one looking at finance, one looking at the constitution, one looking at marketing and one looking at um, personnel. Yeah. So in an hour and a half's time, we'll be finalising the constitution one. The constitution one's been the most interesting of all, yeah. a 36 page constitution. Oh gosh, that'll be fun to go through. <laughs> it, a cooperative is designed not for the benefit of shareholders, but for the benefit of the members. And it's, uh, the principle is one member, one vote. Yeah. So even if you've got a lot of shares in the business or whatever, or you've got a lot of um, investment in it, 
you only have the one vote mm -hmm. on it. So, but in a, for to be a multi-stakeholder one, we need to organise it so that each group cannot override the other groups. Yeah. So when you write the con when we write the constitution, we need to make sure that um, in order to change the constitution, you need seventy-five percent vote. So that means that one group can't be overridden by the other two. Yeah, yeah. You know, and because all three groups have to work together. Yeah. And they're all dependent on each other. That's really interesting. The thing is that if the public were fully educated with the benefits of benefits to the environment, to people's health, to the future, everybody would buy organic food and they wouldn't buy it in the supermarkets. Mm -hmm. And that would change the whole country. <laughs> the market people. is very different to other ones because it's... And the organic movement, we all know, it's, everybody that's growing in the organic movement knows each other. We all know each other. We always, you know, pass produce back and forth and say, right, I've got surplus this, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that it's, a, it's such a big organisation. And I, as I say, if it's 3% of the public, if that goes to 6%, that doubles the whole marketplace. We did a survey uh, way back at, early on about who our customers were. Mm -hmm. I thought our customers, you know, guessed anyway, and their original marketing plan was that our main customers would be in the Crown area of Inverness and the West End of Nairn. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the areas with most money. But then, when I did a survey after being about three or four years and around our customers to see who they were and why they were buying the stuff, it wasn't these areas. It was cottages that were the hard places to get out to. It was the top <laughs> floor of flats. It was, it was, it was in, you know, in places where where um, where you wouldn't expect mm -hmm. organic customers to be but it's because their priorities are different. The and then when you actually looked at what they did, you know what our number one category was? What was it? Have a guess. Of customer. Oh gosh. By like area or? No, no, person. By people. person. Well, what, what are you talking about demographics? Male, female or? Demographics and their situations. I'm going to say women. Half right. Okay. <laughs> what kind of, what, which women? Which women? I don't know, maybe young women? Mothers of young children. Yeah. Mothers with babies. That was our number one category. That's what and I And you could think. understand exactly why. Because they that care about what they're feeding. They care children. about what they're feeding their baby. Yeah. And the thing is, they also know that, that a young baby can't stand a load of chemicals coming in their food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why baby food, is, you, know, you see it's nearly all organic now, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, on there. And that's, but that was our number one category, was, the, was mothers of young children. What? Who do you think the second category was? Older men? No. No? No, it was people who worked for environmental bodies. Yeah, that makes sense. Who, who knew the issues, you know, on there. People who worked for Historic Scotland. People who were informed. Uh, who, were, who were informed. And the third group, people who work in the NHS. Yeah. Um, doctors and um, nurses. Yeah. So quite quite an informed kind of group there. Fourth group, 
was people who were ill with cancer, was the doctor's patients. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was yeah. people, so that was people that actually had, you know, knew these issues. Yeah, you know, yeah. knew it. the importance of them. But the big one now is plastic. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that people are aware. But if they buy the organic food in the supermarket, they'll find it wrapped in plastic. Mm -hmm. The reason it's wrapped in plastic is because the supermarket isn't certified to mm -hmm. actually sell organic food. Yeah. They have, to, they have to wrap it in plastic. It has to be separately wrapped because under the rules for organics, mm -hmm. you're not allowed to sell organic food unless there is either physical separation or time separation mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. And that's a certification process. So people want to avoid that, they can go on the website and order from the organics. Yeah. So, Donnie, what advice would you give to other business owners who were looking to build a strong team and maintain a values-driven approach to their work? Because I know you talked a little bit about your customers here and obviously sustainable values and organic values are really, really important to your business. So what kind of practices do you kind of foster in your team or what advice would you give well, to other business owners? Um, Many businesses look at customer satisfaction. They call it customer satisfaction or customer care. But the important thing is that if you can get customer delight and actually foster you know, a culture of customer delight, then you will have customers who will never leave you. Mm -hmm. So how do you get customer delight? How, what's, what's the recipe for that? Is to overperform to what their expectations are. Okay. Yeah, that's your secret then. I can remember doing a training course for how to how to make a veg box look nice. Yeah, because I suppose it's all like about appearance too. It's a bit of an there's an artist uh -huh. to it. If you actually, you know, you 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 take your box, you put your dirty stuff in one end, you put your other stuff in the end, you're painting a picture. Mm -hmm. You actually look and say, right. You get the colours right, you know, you have like a Van Gogh or whatever, and you get the colours right and you put it there. <laughs> Actually, part of the pleasure of food is also sight. Yeah. And if it looks good, that's why your, your master chefs or whatever, mm -hmm. they know how to paint a picture on a plate. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you're a, an artist as well as a business owner and all these other jacket I, I think chefs in particular are all, the good chefs are all artists. Yeah. And the good food producers are also artists. <laughs> and real farmers are artists. Oh well, there you I go. remember doing a talk to school kids. Mm -hmm. The 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 preschool kids. Uh -huh. You know, and doing the, getting them all sitting on the floor and saying trying to ed educate them to see where their food comes from. So I took a I took a box and um, with them some different food stuffs and say and then um, I had pictures, you know, of of different things, you know, mm -hmm. like a polytunnel, a field, and a, a cow, and a, yeah. a chicken, and things. And then saying to them all, "Where does this come from?" And take an egg, and then say, "Do you get it from a, this cow?" No, 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 it's a chicken, you know. Mm -hmm. And they would tell you where to put it in the which box, you know, where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And that was really good fun doing that with the kids, and you get them there. And I actually um, then said to them to the kids then, um, can any of you tell me any food that doesn't need a farmer? And they, they came up with 
chocolate. Well, wait a minute, what's in chocolate? You've got milk, so you need a dairy farmer. You've got chocolate, you've got cocoa, you've got eggs, you've got all the kind of, you need lots of farmers to make chocolate. And I'll say, oh well, but other things. And then they say, right, you need for, for all kinds of food, you need a farmer. Or somebody who's going to grow it for you, to produce it. So what would happen if you didn't have any farmers? And kids all say, we'd have no food. And then what would happen if you had no food? And this wee boy says, we'd all die. <laughs> I says, well, you'd better be good every time you see a farmer. You'd better be nice to him. <laughs> You've heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Always appreciate your farmers. Always appreciate your farmer because the thing is that if you didn't have a farmer, you wouldn't have the food. No, you're absolutely right. You know, that kind of leads in nicely to my next question, which would be, you know, if there was a young person who was wanting to start a career in this business area, what would your advice be to them? Become a farmer. Become a farmer. And become an artist. <laughs> was it, how easy is it though? If you were a young person and you were like, okay, I want to do organic farming, like where do they go? What's the first thing that they should do? This is, this is a real big question. You know, you're, now you come into land reform mm -hmm. and you're coming into all sorts of things, issues where, where um, you know, land is, is, land is important yeah. um, on there. And, and one of the objects of the cooperative when we're putting in this constitution, which we'll be doing shortly, um, is that we, that to, to that the cooperative will try to expand organic food production across Scotland. And one of the thing, projects that we would like to take forward is that to take um, renting out all the old walled gardens mm -hmm. that are in Scotland. There is thousands of walled gardens in, in these old, uh, old, old places which are, which are ideal for growing good quality food. Mm -hmm. And they're going to waste at the moment. Mm -hmm. And what we would like to do is to take these wall gardens and get young farmers in there producing food. That's a great idea. Because um, a lot of it is the land, as you say, a lot of them have to rent their tenants of the land rather than... Well, and also the thing is that you have, you have all these, all these the, the crofts that are there, as the small farmers, the small farm holdings have been amalgamated into bigger farm holdings. They remove the hedges, they remove all the things, they become monoculture um, things, all driven by the supermarkets. Yeah. Because they want to be, have things bigger mm -hmm. and more production. But it's all over the world, it has shown that more food is produced if you've got small farmers producing it small farmers and allotments and, um, you know, people who are doing it and you can produce a lot of, of food from very little ground. You don't need an awful lot of ground, yeah. but most of the ground is, is now geared towards production for the supermarkets. And the problem, they're, they're, the people that that's responsible for mm -hmm. that is the consumer who are yeah. going into the supermarkets and buying the products. Yeah. I think I think it's quite incredible. I think there's there's an opportunity for 
people to really start thinking about where they get their food from and I just like yeah. I love the whole principle behind your business you'll know your customers are probably more likely to be driven by a commitment to making purchasing decisions that have a positive social economic and environmental impact yeah. and a lot of what you've talked about there kind of ties in with that but I wonder if you want to tell us a bit more about what your team is doing to meet the demands of conscious consumerism in the business well I mean, conscious consumerism is a lovely term. Um, and I would say that our, our customers are conscious consumers. Mm -hmm. the, big, the big current issues are the environment, wildlife, and um, the future of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and the second big one is plastics. The conscious consumers are actually saying we don't want stuff packaged, you know, in the, the, the way that it is. So do you not package anything when you deliver to your customers? Well, How do you a good example is, is um, a banana. Mm -hmm. right? A banana has got a skin. Yeah. It's got a package on it already. Yeah. So why put plastic around a banana? Beats me. And why go and buy bananas in a supermarket that are packaged in a bit of plastic. That's so conscious consumer. How do you deliver to your customers then of that? Do you do it in boxes, like cardboard boxes? What's the what's the drive behind it so you're not using we plastic? We reuse everything. Mm -hmm. So you um, reusing is more is more beneficial than recycling even. Yeah. If you can reuse things, you re, re, reuse all boxes and our customers hand them back to us the next time. Yeah. If they don't hand it back, I'll say to them, where's your old box? <laughs> I want it. <laughs> and therefore, you, t you know, the boxes can be reused thousands of times. Mm -hmm. you, just, you just take the box, it gets packed with the, the, the stuff in it, mm -hmm. and then and if we were needing to use um, recyclable bags, um, you know, plastic bags for putting salads in and things, customers wash it and give it back to us and we reuse it again yeah yeah i think i think people are kind and of scared to simple. use it now isn't it yeah it is simple and it's how it used to be back in the day as well yeah. that's what my my grandparents used to do and yeah you know you had you a milk bottle it. you'd put the bottle back out and you that put was the you. bottle back out and that's it Aye. you get them um, you know it's 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 not rocket science. No, it's just got it's lost just... along the years. So how has the demand for organic produce changed over the years and how has McLeod Organics adapted to meeting those evolving needs? Um, I don't think the demand has changed mm -hmm. over, over the years. I think the demand is still, it's still the same. Um, and their main thing is try to try to meet the demands of the consumer. It does seem that people are more interested and alert to organic now though. Um, I don't know. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say in general terms that people are. Okay. Um, I think people were probably more aware of, or, or, of organic um, in the past. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of confusion about labels. You know, you, you get told all this, um, different labels and different things and um, the confusion between organic and local is very, very much to the fore and yeah. it has been for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, 
the big one has changed is the, is the plastics. Yeah, yeah. Is that we know that there is almost a continent of plastics floating <laughs> around in the in the oceans. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people are aware of that because of the air and um, the environmental issues. But they but they were always there. They were there twenty. 30 years ago, I've been. I remember campaigning on on environmental issues. You know. Yeah. So you we've talked a little bit about how the business has gone through the years, Donny, yeah. and kind of touched a wee bit on what you're wanting for the future. But I wonder if you could tell us a little bit or give us a wee bit of insider gossip. What's next for the business, and what area of your business do you think has the most potential for growth? We've obviously walked around here today, and it's there's it's a quite a big bit of land, so. Looks like there's there's potential for growth in it. Well, it's it's when the the multi-stakeholder cooperative is 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 what we will be doing in the future, mm -hmm. um, involving the customers and um, that cooperative will be the way forward um, to 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 drive the business forward, but also to make sure it is sustainable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, with it. So that's always going to be at the heart of always the business. Always going to be at the heart of the heart of the business is sustainability. I, I feel so informed about. I, I'm definitely going to be thinking. I'm not going to a supermarket after this for my shop. But can you tell us our, our tell, this is your time to plug your business. How can if any of our listeners want to get in touch or buy some produce off you? How can they get in touch with you? They go on the website. It's mcleodorganics.scot and um, order products. Um, so thank you for joining us for another episode of the Good Business Podcast. We're all about at getting to the heart of good business with people like Donnie and we can't wait to see you on the next episode.